Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about overwhelm. And unlike episodes in the past where I've been like, oh, I used to struggle with depression, or oh, I used to have bulimia, oh, I'm not having sex with people who make me hate myself anymore, so on and so forth. Unlike those episodes, today's issue is fresh off the press, (laughs) which is to say that I am still struggling with overwhelm on a regular basis. In fact, I was very overwhelmed today with my task list. And because I struggle with overwhelm regularly, it is very fresh in my mind what these spirals feel like, what it does to the brain, how it hijacks our concentration and sends our emotions into overload. And surely I cannot be the only person out there who gets stressed by overwhelm. And it's unclear if overwhelm causes stress or stress causes overwhelm or if they are something that arise independently or if they arise at the same time, but there does seem to be a relationship between the two. And there are as many triggers for overwhelm in the world as there are people. Everyone experiences it differently. But for me, usually overwhelm occurs when suddenly there's too much to do. And actually, that might not be 100% accurate, because in truth, I am a workhorse. I can work on a lot of things at one time. And so it isn't necessarily having many irons in the fire that will trigger overwhelm for me. It's more like if I start to feel rushed, if I feel like the 5,000 things on my plate suddenly have a timer attached to them, and that there isn't the option to work on it as long as I would like, And because I can be a perfectionist and I want to do things well, I don't mind challenging tasks or challenging situations as long as I feel like I have enough time to do them, if I can keep working on them until I'm satisfied. If, however, there's a final deadline (laughs) that can bring up a sense of overwhelm in me because I feel like I don't have the time to do it the way I would like it to be done. So there's definitely some sort of time component in connection to overwhelm for me. And also my sensation of overwhelm tends to increase if I don't have the opportunity to practice self-care. Because I am a workhorse, I have a tendency to prioritize work over taking care of myself, over doing all the things that need to be done to help me feel sane and well-fed and well-slept. And so if I push those things to the side in favor of getting one more thing done, I will notice that the feeling of overwhelm tends to accumulate more quickly if I'm not combating it actively with self-care. But it doesn't have to be your to-do list or a lack of time that makes you feel overwhelmed. It can be a difficult situation, stress at work, or in your relationships. It could be any big feelings that you're having that you're not quite sure how to process or what to do with them. Anything really can trigger overwhelm. It's really more about learning how to recognize when you are overwhelmed. 
And over time, I've come to recognize that this is what happens when I'm overwhelmed. So first and foremost, I start to shut down. And what shutting down looks like is sometimes a full fetal position in which I'm kind of lying in a heap on the couch, not really doing much. I could be on my phone or maybe just staring off into oblivion. (laughs) This sort of disassociation or escapism. It can also be me getting on the phone and looking at a million Instagram videos or repeatedly checking my email or anything to give me a sense of a sort of quick win, like if I can respond to someone quickly. That usually means that if I'm looking for quick wins, it's because I'm overwhelmed by a larger task and I would rather do some little tiny tasks to make myself feel like I'm still moving forward even though I'm not really (laughs) because I'm in this overwhelm heap. And apart from shutting down and looking for forms of escape, it also usually manifests with an inability to focus and a difficulty in prioritizing tasks. So I might have a to-do list. I might even have everything written down. And you would think, oh, you know, she looks pretty orderly. There's no way she's suffering from overwhelm. Look, she's got everything written down. But then (laughs) when I look at the list, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, does any of this actually need to be done? What needs to be done first? It's really challenging for me to prioritize those tasks or to recognize what might be more important. Again, I might be looking for the smaller wins rather than acknowledging that a larger, more complicated project might be a better use of my time. And so the to-do list itself can be deceptively (laughs) organized, but in fact could be exacerbating the overwhelm that I'm experiencing. And then also, usually I just become aware of an increase in pressure mentally and emotionally. Mentally, I might just be having a lot of really negative thoughts, or it might not even be a clear articulation. It might just be sort of low-grade screaming in the background, like, ah, (laughs) that might be all that's happening uh, upstairs. And the same thing for emotionally. Emotionally, I might not be really clear on what I am feeling emotionally. I might just be feeling really agitated or just kind of a low-grade panic. And sometimes I can catch myself and realize, oh, I'm obviously struggling with some sort of emotion here because there will be little physical tells. Like I mentioned with the heap of overwhelm, (laughs) if I'm lying in a heap and I can't get off of Instagram, that might be a sign that I'm experiencing overwhelm. Or it could be that I've started to bite on my nails a little, which biting my nails was something I really struggled with in high school. I would bite them so badly that they would bleed. They would always just look awful and be kind of painful because I was so diligent about it. And it really took me a long time to break myself of the habit of biting my fingernails. And now I don't do it very often, but every once in a while when I am feeling stressed or I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'll catch myself putting my fingers in my mouth or going to maybe just like nip off a a hangnail or something, which probably sounds disgusting. You guys are like, oh my God, stop talking about this. But I mean, that's a reality of my overwhelm is sometimes I'll have these little physical tells that oh, I must be really anxious about this because look what I'm doing. Like, why am I starting to bite my nails? So all in all, a cycle of overwhelm might be suddenly the pressure is on or I feel like there's a time restraint that I wasn't anticipating or something unexpected will happen. Maybe someone will say something or a big emotion will come in or an unexpected bill 
whatever it is, anything can trigger overwhelm, but the trigger happens and then the mental and emotional pressure intensifies. I shut down as a result. I start searching for an escape through Instagram or social media or staring listlessly at the wall, whatever it is, lying in bed with the pillows over my head, taking really long naps in the middle of the day, even though I don't necessarily need them. And until the pressure becomes so great that I rush to the to-do list and like, okay, no, really, I got to get this together. But then even while looking at the list, I'm struggling to prioritize. So that's sort of what my overwhelm cycle looks like. Again, it might be absolutely different for you, but no matter how you get there, there are ways to cope with overwhelm. Essentially, there are ways to depressurize the system and get things back into a more manageable state for you. I mentioned awareness. Awareness is crucial to noticing that you are in this sort of overwhelm process, this overwhelm spiral. The only way I've ever noticed or gotten out of overwhelm is because the awareness has caught myself red-handed in the cycle. And so this is one of those benefits that come with meditation awareness in that, you know, you're meditating and maybe you're secretly thinking while you're meditating, I don't know what this is for. I don't know how this is benefiting my life. Well, one of these ways that meditation is helping us is that it is building awareness. It's allowing us to catch these triggers, these cycles, these spinoffs, these spirals more quickly. Before I had much awareness, I would be doing all of this kind of secretly in the background. So I would know that I was stressed or I was anxious. Obviously, I was biting my nails. I was really feeling like crap all the time. But I didn't really understand like what it was. There was no word or label like, overwhelm or anxiety or anything that helps me to understand what was happening or what could be done about it. So awareness is like shining a light on the problem so that you can start addressing it. It prevents it from remaining overlooked or out of sight, out of mind, that sort of thing. But the ability to notice emotional and mental shifts is certainly dependent upon one's awareness. So if you have enough awareness and you can catch yourself in this overwhelmed space, then at the very least, you can start talking sense to yourself. You can start saying things like, okay, here I am, like I'm overwhelmed. I've been overwhelmed before. The world didn't end. I just need to depressurize the situation. I just need to calm down. I need to give myself a bit of space and clarity and sort of talking sense to yourself, even though you're in this agitated emotional state. And then the next thing that I'll do is I will go in and try to remove any time restraints if possible. Obviously, some things are going to have deadlines or expectations. And so I look at that and I get a sense of, do I really have to do this by this time? So on and so forth. And if anything can have the time restraint removed, I remove it. Or if anything can get an extension, I will do that. However, you know, there are limitations if you're... (laughs) struggling with procrastination, which we haven't talked about yet, but if that's your your issue, getting extension after extension after extension is probably just prolonging your problem, so that's not necessarily helpful. But if you can remove the time constraint in any kind of helpful way, that would be great. When it comes to tasks, for example, or just the simple act of me trying to be alive, (laughs) if that's what's overwhelming me, I will do a brainstorming session in which I write down everything that I think needs to be done and list out what needs to be done first. So for example, sometimes overwhelm might just be a very nebulous, overwhelming emotion. 
And what I mean by that is we might not even have a clear sense of what all we think needs to be done or what we think needs to be addressed. So sometimes this journaling, this introspection allows us to basically go in and figure out what's going on in here. Like, what am I thinking? What am I telling myself? What stories am I making up that's getting myself so upset? What pressing concern do I think I have right now? Excavating the mind for this sort of clarity, getting it all out, listing everything down. And it can be anything. Sometimes I have a lot of little tasks that add up, like, oh, I really need to change this air filter, and oh, I really need to go into the garage and get this random item. Oh, I really need to do this. And they're not even tasks that would take a lot of time. It's just that they're bouncing around in the back of my mind, and it feels like there are a lot of them. The more that I ignore them in order to do other things, the more that they build up and I start to just feel like I'm not getting anything done. Sometimes if I do these brainstorming or listing sessions in which I just get everything out, every little thing that I think possibly needs to be done, I will start to feel like the depressurization is helping. I will feel like there's less of, oh my gosh, I need to do all this and this because now I'm looking at a page and there's really only, you know, five, ten things and they'll each take like one or two minutes. And I'm like, oh, okay, actually this isn't so bad. Like this, if I just focus and do this for 20 minutes, I'll knock all of this out. So sometimes it's just a matter of getting really clear on what you need to do or what your brain, your panicky brain has hyped you up into thinking that you need to do, (laughs) which is sometimes the case. If it's not task-related, if it's not an organizational issue, if it's a relationship or an emotion, I usually just jump in and address these head-on. I know that everyone can't do that. Sometimes there's a lot of anxiety. Hell, I have a lot of anxiety about speaking to people (laughs) or about addressing things, so I'm not trying to talk about this as if I'm somehow different. Not at all. But I do find that for my own sanity, it's easier for me just to address these immediately because, yes, it required that I overcome my resistance to talking to someone about something or asking someone for something. But maybe there is an issue or a situation that needs to be resolved and I will have to address that. It's not going to go away until I do. And so even if nothing in me wants to go have a conversation with someone about, I don't know, a light bill, the internet not working, for example, maybe I loathe calling tech support and the idea of calling tech support stresses me out, but I know that I'm not going to get my internet back (laughs) unless I call this person. So instead of just lying there really stressed out about making this phone call, it's better to just dial it, even if I'm, ah, while I'm dialing, (laughs) even if I'm low grade freaking out about it. I'll just do it because I know that I will continue to lose time and energy and peace of mind the longer that I postpone it because there is no resolution except through, you know, the only way out is through in this situation. And so if it usually involves some action on my behalf, a difficult conversation with someone, maybe someone said something terrible to me, or maybe I'm having a lot of negative feelings because someone invited me to do something, and I know I need to cancel on them or I don't want to go, and I know I just need to tell them that I don't want to go, instead of just stewing in those feelings, I will just try to address it as soon as possible because once it's done, then I can move past it. As long as I don't berate myself afterwards. So let's say someone invited me to do something and I don't want to go, and so I get up the nerve to cancel, and then I wonder if they hate me (laughs) for two weeks. It doesn't really help me to address it head on if I'm going to just then think about it for two weeks after and wonder if I'm a bad person. But that seems like a separate issue. That doesn't seem like an overwhelm. That seems like a thought spiral issue. That's a different problem. So we're just talking about overwhelm today. 
addressing the overwhelm is get it done if you can. Relationships and emotional situations, unfortunately, can't really think your way out of it. I'm very guilty of trying to rationalize my way out of situations. But unfortunately, I found that because relationship issues or relationship situations have emotional components, the only way to really deal with it is to address the emotions directly. So in that case, for the sake of overwhelm and the sake of not losing time, energy, or your peace of mind, I would try to deal with it sooner rather than later if you can. Pump yourself up, promise yourself an ice cream after whatever you got to (laughs) do to get it done. Make the situation as easy to overcome as you can. Do that thing. However, there are situations where you feel overwhelmed or maybe a strong emotional residue and you cannot take an action, specific action. So, for example, if I'm feeling overwhelmed because of a negative interaction in which I'm not going to speak to someone about it. And a good example of this is when my mom died and my father found out about it, even though I had no intention of ever telling him that my mother died because I know that he hated her and I knew that he would say something terrible. Which You know where the story is going. That's exactly what happened. He um, found out somehow, I think he had heard about from someone that I had did the podcast, the Who Killed My Mother podcast, talking about how she died. And he essentially texted me telling me that she deserved it. And I was, as you can imagine, very emotionally triggered by that. I was very overwhelmed by the flood of emotions that came from him saying such a thing to me. Everything from anger to horror to sadness to bewilderment to disbelief, so on and so forth. And I had already vowed not to have contact with my father because he was this kind of person. And I knew that his reaction and his texting me was trying to elicit some sort of response. And so I could not talk to him because I was committed to remaining no contact because essentially I thought that this would be healthier for me. This would be better for me to remain no contact. And so what do you do with all those feelings, right? In that situation, I'm not going to hash that out with him, even though I think eventually I did send a very bland, thank you for your condolences or something, <laughs> something smart ass. I'm sure, and because I just did not know what to do with his words. The real emotional work, the overwhelm, could not be addressed with this person, right? They did not have, this person being my father, he did not have the emotional capacity to do that work with me or to address that issue with me. If that's the case, if you're being triggered by something and involves another person, but you can't work with them in any way, generally what I would do with that is I would turn to either journaling or Tonglin. Those are my two top choices. And I have episodes for both of those. You can go listen to the journaling episode and the Tonglin episode, Tonglin being the meditation episode. But just a quick refresh here, journaling, I would just work through it all on the page. I would maybe even have an imaginary conversation in which I would write my side and then his response, his appropriate response, the response I think that he should have in this sort of rehearsed conversation in my journal. Or I would just get my feelings out, you know, oh my God, I'm so pissed off that he would say that to me. God, can he be any more tone deaf? How can he be so selfish? Whatever I felt I needed to say or do in that moment in order to process the emotion that was overwhelming me. And then Tonglin is a giving and receiving practice in which you imagine yourself and the other person and you can send sort of emotional charges back and forth. A better example of that would be I'm really upset because I have a father who is unkind, who is emotionally immature, that kind of thing. And maybe I will conjure up those feelings and really sit in them, process them, and then I'll imagine someone else who's dealing with that, maybe a kid or another person. 
It doesn't have to be someone I know. It can just be kind of a placeholder and in which I basically send them peace of mind, love, support that I wish that I was receiving. And for some reason, this always makes me feel better. And then I kind of just imagine on the inhale that I'm absorbing that negativity from them. So whatever they're dealing with from someone else, I take it into myself for transmutation, essentially because it's like if you had the belief that there was only so much anger in the world, there's only so much heartbreak in the world, and here's another person experiencing it, and you're already feeling it. So if you're like, well, let me have it all so this person can have a break, There's something in there about practicing the compassion, all of that, that really lessens the strength of the feelings, that really helps to move through them. And again, I talk about this more in the meditation episode, so you might want to go back and revisit that if it's something that you might like to try. And also Pema Chodron, again, talks about Tonglin a lot, and she's got great practices on it. Definitely look into her work. She will do a much better job of explaining it (laughs) than I will, because Tonglin is her thing. And overall, I just look at the situation as an opportunity to practice letting go. Sometimes overwhelm is addressed not by pushing through, but by letting go of something. So those are kind of my ideas about how to process overwhelm, either because it's a time restraint or a task disorganization issue, or maybe there's things in your mind that are bouncing around that need to be let out, or journaling or meditation can get you there. Or it's about letting go, that necessity to release things that no longer serve us, that aren't important. Sometimes we just add importance to things that really don't matter. And there are a lot of reasons why we do that. (laughs) We could revisit that some other time. But this idea that sometimes the best way to not feel overwhelmed is just to release all expectations of yourself or the situation. And so try any of that the next time you're feeling overwhelmed, the next time you find yourself in a heap scrolling Instagram and an hour has passed and you just cannot even. I hope that you find some relief regardless and that you were able to get some ideas from this episode. And that, dear human, is all that I have for you today. And again, before I sign off, I just want to remind you that the show is open to questions. So if you have any specific questions or a situation that you would like me to offer my thoughts or experience on, you can email me at corey at coreyamshram.com. And that email will be in the description of the show in the show notes of this episode. So go ahead and check that out if you're not sure how to spell my name. And I would never share your information on the show. So don't worry about me calling out your name and where you live or anything crazy like that. So please don't worry about any of that. And I will do my best to answer you in an upcoming episode. But otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For-Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.